Don't look now, but the Seattle Mariners are not only making a push for the wild card, they're taking a shot at the division after a sweep in Houston over the weekend. A couple of other key sweeps punctuate the MLB landscape as we're just six weeks away from the end of the season. All is quiet on the NFL front as the preseason will conclude this coming week. The NBA schedule has been released, and do I really have to discuss James Harden again? Lionel Messi continues his stellar play in Miami, but is the competition subpar? Also, my first full-bodied vlog on my YouTube channel that I want to share as another week commences with quite a bit going on. It's all coming up, but first, this message. J Reels here, just passing by to send a brief reminder to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, the J Reels Podcast, on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, CastBox, all of the major platforms that are out there, whichever one that you listen to, once again, just throw me a few stars, write a review, I would greatly appreciate it just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there, especially this one, which covers all sports in roughly one hour. Where else are you going to get that? So if you can go ahead and please do that, I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate it. And with that said, let's get it. The J Reels Podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The sports rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Rose Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, Michael? people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. Summer is slowly starting to slip away from us, people. Think about it. A week from this coming Friday, it'll be September. Two weeks from today will be Labor Day. And even though we'll be out of the doldrums of this sports dead zone, it's tough to see this season beginning to exit stage right. But if there is a good thing, is that we still have another month to go and another podcast awaits as we're about to kick off another one in the process as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been banging with me going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle or even as early as this past Thursday, I welcome you guys and gals back. And just some quick housekeeping before I begin. For those who have not subscribed to my YouTube channel, shame on you. Of course, I'm joking. But I do have a YouTube channel where I post daily, even though I've been intermittently recently because of how slow the sports world has been. But generally, I'll put up a short, just a one-minute blurb on a particular topic or what's going on in the world of sports. Well, guess what? I've rolled up my sleeves and have put forth my first full vlog in reference to the old grounds at Yankee Stadium as to what has ever happened to it. So... For the Yankee fan, baseball fan, even the sports fan, you certainly don't have to like the Yankees. Think about it. Yours truly, Jay Reels, I'm a Met fan. But it's not a slander on the Yankees, the organization, maybe a little bit to the front office, but you have to see in order for you to get a better understanding as this 17-minute video, almost 18 minutes, discusses the 
Hello ground at the former Cathedral of Baseball because as we know the current Yankee Stadium is nothing even remotely close to what the real estate across the street from that is. So I'm sure you'll get a kick out of it. I had a little humor. I had a lot of experience as far as me being a Met fan and going back to the final time that I stepped foot in that building which was 24 years ago this past summer. Or really this past June when you think about it. So please check that out. Subscribe, like, leave a comment. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. That I'm sure you get a kick out of. So please tune into that as I released that yesterday afternoon. And then the other thing is, is that today is my pop, my dad, Ruben Nazario, his 73rd birthday. So I want to give him a shout out to wish him a very happy birthday and many, many more to come. Love you, pop. Hope to see you on Friday. There's no guarantee considering I got a couple of things cooking on my end and he lives two hours south. And not that there's any excuse, but all these stars need to be aligned in order for me to head down there. And there's still a few days to go before that happens. But Pop, I want to wish you a happy birthday on your day and many, many more to come. All right, let's get to it. Not much going on in sports as I mentioned from the top in my little intro, but baseball, as we know, we're getting closer not only to the month of September, but also to the end of a baseball season because when we think about it, that six weeks from today, the season will conclude. And on top of that, we will be looking ahead to the wildcard week, which will be Tuesday through that Friday, or really Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leading into the weekend where we'll kick off the division series. But as of right this moment, there is one team that is on a charge. There is a team that... When we looked at the beginning of the year, when I talked about disappointments in the sport, and the two that I mentioned, one I wish I was wrong on, as we know, were the New York Mets. And as we've seen, even though winning three out of four over the weekend in St. Louis with a loss there yesterday, certainly puts them in the category of a bona fide disappointment for this 2023 season. But I also looked at the Seattle Mariners as another team with their success last year and having that great playoff win against the Blue Jays when they were down 8-1 in that game two. And mind you, they were playing with house money. They were on the road in Toronto. They did win game one, but then for them to come back from that big deficit to win that game and then go on to the next round to lose to the Houston Astros, well... I get it that this series may not exact the same revenge as it would be come postseason, but the Mariners are on fire right now. Not only did they win three games in Kansas City during the middle portion of last week, no surprise there, but they go to Houston this weekend and sweep the Astros out of Minute Maid Park to where the Mariners are not only a threat for a wild card spot, which they have been in the mix, as we know, for quite some time here, and granted that they have been floundering throughout the Pretty much the first two-thirds of the season. But for whatever the reason, over the last two and a half weeks or so, they have really turned on the Jets to the tune to where the Mariners not only have won six in a row, but when we take a look at where they are in the standings, the Mariners are sandwiched between the Astros and Blue Jays with the final spot in the AL wildcard race. Houston just a half game ahead, Toronto just a half game back. And now they're just three games behind the Texas Rangers for first place in the AL West. Is it out of the realm of possibility? Now, without getting into their schedule, and maybe I'll take a peek at that in a minute or two, the Mariners have become a major player here. And for all of their fumbling, bumbling, and stumbling here throughout the first portion of the season to where it looked like the Mariners were never going to get on track, 
unlike the Mets and even the San Diego Padres for that matter, the Mariners said, "Uh uh-uh, we are not going to let the season go up in smoke and for us to be one of those disappointing teams. And now you have to wonder whether or not, could they be a threat to the Texas Rangers here in the AL West? Now, you know what? Let's look at their schedule as it continues to get soft here where they have the White Sox that they're going to go visit here over the next three days before coming home to play the Royals after a day off on Thursday. Then they have the A's coming into their building before coming east to play the Mets and then the Reds during the Labor Day week. And the Reds, they're starting to slip a little bit in the NL Central. But this schedule upcoming for the Mariners, not to say they're going to run the table here, but boy, talk about a weak underbelly and they could certainly continue to pad their record even inch closer to the Texas Rangers. And let's see whether or not they may be done with the Rangers this year for all I know. Absolutely not. They are setting themselves up for a chase to the top of the AL West because think about this. They play seven of their last 10 games against the Texas Rangers. And when you add the other three games, Houston comes to their building in the process. So talk about a gauntlet to end the regular season to see whether or not they're going to earn that AL West crown. Friday, the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th of September, they go to Texas, Globe Life Park, and then fly home to play the Astros for three before the Rangers come in for four to conclude their season in T-Mobile Park. So it's all out in front of them. And as I mentioned, they play a lot of the weaker teams in the sport, They do have to play the Dodgers, where they come to Seattle there in the middle of September. And the Rays, they do go to Tampa. And that's actually a long road trip to where they start in New York to play the Mets, then go to Cincinnati, and then four in Tampa. So you know what? That could be an interesting test for them, considering that the Mets will have nothing to play for. But who knows? Maybe they'll look at the beginning of September as maybe just to show some pride, which I don't think so. I'm trying to put a little cherry on top of the Mets here, which... Obviously, it's hard to do right now, but going to New York to play the Mets, Cincinnati, then Tampa, that could be the end of a long road trip where they could stub their toe there, and then they do play the Angels in their building, followed by the Dodgers, they have Oakland as well, and think about it, they have the Royals for three more games, they have Oakland for six more games, they go to Chicago, as I mentioned, they also have the Angels, who have nothing to play for, and then the last 10 games of the season is going to be it for Seattle. So that is a team that we will certainly keep our eyes on as they're going to make a push to see whether or not they're going to earn that AL West division crown. And still a lot of baseball to be played, but they are a team to be reckoned with. And think about it. They do not have a type of team. Granted, they have the pitching, but their offense, when you think about it, is from hunger. Because other than Julio Rodriguez, which everybody knows is a superstar caliber type player. But when we take a look at the rest of the lineup, it's not going to jump out of the page. Although you have some players that have a reputation, whether your name is Eugenio Suarez, who hit 40 somewhat home runs many years ago when he was a Cincinnati Red. Teoscar Hernandez, who we know has a lot of pop in his bat. But although has had a down year with his numbers, only 18 home runs and is batting, what, 254, I believe. Ty France, not really a power hitter, but he's a lunch pail type of player. Cal Raleigh, the catcher, who has shown some power with 22 home runs at that position. But again, not a guy that's going to jump off the page when it comes to his numbers. He's only batting 220 when you think about it. So this team can be pitched to. This team 
can go through their stretches where they may not be able to score runs, but as we know, the Seattle Mariners, it's all about their pitching. And when you have guys at the top of the rotation like Luis Castillo, who has not had a big year when you think about it, he's only 9-7. and seven. He's pitching to a 3.23 ERA. Certainly did not have the impact that he had when he was brought over from Cincinnati at the trade deadline last year. So we understand that once he gets to the playoffs, anything can happen and he could pitch you that gem. But he has certainly not had the year that a lot of people thought he would have. George Kirby, as we know, a guy that is at the top of that rotation along with Logan Gilbert, each 10-8 and 11-5. and 5. Again, numbers that aren't going to really raise an eyebrow, but still, they do have the talent and they are young and good arms to where they could carry this team not only into October, but maybe, just maybe, in a short series, be able to advance, move on, and maybe take that next step as an organization considering... What I talked about earlier, then making it to the playoffs for the first time in forever last year and getting to a division series. So there's a lot to be said about this team, a lot to be said about the pitching staff, as well as their offense. You also look at a young guy like Bryce Miller, who they brought up in the middle of the year. What kind of impact will he have down the stretch or maybe be that fourth starter or the long guy coming out of the bullpen? So it's all right in front of Seattle. And yes, they've had to work hard to get to this point. You wonder whether or not they're going to start to run out of gas a little bit because anytime you have a team that starts off slow and certainly wasn't able to get out of their season-long slump till about the middle of July, and now that we're into the latter part of August, they seem to get their sea legs, they seem to be on track, and now they're playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of mojo. Sometimes when you were so down for so long and had to fight all the way back, You can't even exhale that when you do exhale, you take three or four steps back. And that's one thing, even with a soft schedule, as I mentioned, will Seattle be able to continue to put the pressure on Houston, on the Texas Rangers to see whether or not they will come out on the other side winning an AL West division title. The other team I'm going to highlight here, and they're actually maybe the Seattle Mariners of the Midwest when you think about it. A team that was expected to do a lot this year, but in a very weak division, a team that has had a reputation over the last few years to make it to the postseason. In fact, what was it? Four or five years ago, maybe six now that I think about it, where they went to a game seven in the NLCS and a team that you would think would have an eight, 10 game lead in the division based on their reputation has a three game lead and they've pretty much steadied that three game lead here throughout the last couple of weeks. But the Milwaukee Brewers did the Seattle Mariners a favor over the weekend as they went down to Texas after a rough stretch there in L.A. in the middle of last week to where they played the Rangers and swept the Texas ball club out of Globe Life Park and put themselves in a spot where, all right, they're not necessarily treading water, but they're certainly not gaining a lot of separation, even with the Cubs and Reds hanging around. And you would think maybe at some point they will start to go the other way and fall apart. But the Brewers, as we know, another pitching-rich organization with the likes of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, guys like that, and their closer, Devin Williams. You could argue right now, even with Edwin Diaz on the shelf, as the best closer in the sport. But the Brewers, who bounced back nicely after that week in L.A., or those few days out in Los Angeles, to then sweep the Rangers the way they did. And the Brewers could be a team... That maybe if they get some momentum going, and especially with that rotation and closer, who knows? Maybe they could surprise some people along the way. Now, we'd have to wait until October to get to that point 
to see whether or not they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. But just like the Mariners, their offense can go through those stretches where you wonder where they're going to get some punch, where they're going to generate some runs. And as we've seen here, the guys like Kristen Yelich, who would be the linchpin of this team, has fallen so far off from his MVP days of five, six years ago that he's a guy that, although is batting a respectable 287, but the power numbers aren't there. He does have 67 RBIs, but certainly not amongst the ranks of the top players in the National League. And when you also look at a guy like Willie Adamez, who leads the team in home runs at 19, shows that they do not have a lot of firepower in that offense that they're going to rely on their pitching staff to win a lot of 2-1, 3-2, 4-3 types of games. Because nobody's going to go crazy about guys like William Contreras. Nobody's going to go crazy about people like Rowdy Telez. These are guys that are middling players, lunch pail type players. You get it, and you're going to need those guys on your team. But when we get to October, we all know it's timely hitting. Power also is a critical point for any of these teams that are going to try to beat the opposing starting pitchers and good starting pitchers at that when you get to October. So the Mariners, as well as the Brewers, two teams that certainly have a lot of good pitching, and the Mariners may be a little bit more talented than the Brewers, but considering what Milwaukee did over the weekend, that also made you keep your antenna up to say, oh, maybe Milwaukee is going to see whether or not they could at least get themselves in a position where they could be comfortable, where they could stretch their lead, even with the Cubs and Reds hanging around, and got to give it up for what the Brewers did over the weekend. And then lastly, and this isn't by any means to pound the Yankees, because I talked about this on Thursday, on whether or not this team is left for dead. Now the Red Sox give it up. They had to keep pace with the Seattles of the world, with Toronto as they're three games behind in the wild card. And they had a three and a half game lead over the Yankees heading into their series on Friday night. And what you saw there was a complete undressing, a complete embarrassment. Yes, the Yankees did hang in there yesterday as they were down 5-2 and Anthony Volpe hit the three-run homer. And then the Yankees looked like they were going to take the lead there in the bottom of the eighth, but the call with the play at the plate was overturned. And then Justin Turner, who had a home run earlier in the game, got the game-winning hit there in the top of the ninth. So the Red Sox were able to close out and sweep the Yankees again for the second time this year, 8-1 and one against the Yankees, which is unfathomable when you think about it. And with their record at 60-64, and 64, forget about the division, I believe there's 17 games behind the Baltimore Orioles as I speak, but they're now 9 behind the final wildcard holder, which again, the Seattle Mariners, with 38 games left to play, and just to get the 90 wins, if you're a Yankee fan, they got to go 30-8. and eight. Is that going to happen? Absolutely not. So I'm not putting them out to sea. I understand this isn't the Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, Jorge Posada Yankee teams. But until that stake is through the Yankee heart, through the interlocking NY on the left breast of the jersey, I could finally say what I've been saying over the last 14 years, but I will hold off on that until it's official. But yes, if you're a Yankee fan, you got to be just despondent. I don't know what else to say. I don't know. There isn't anything to say. It's just been a bitter, flat-out disappointment for this team. And you got to wonder whether or not there's going to be some wholesale changes here. Because the fan base is not going to go for whether Cashman's going to come back, which we think he will, 
But sadly, Aaron Boone looks like he's going to be walking the plank if he hasn't been doing so at this moment. That's all there is to it. And Hal Steinbrenner has to see that. Because although they're going to have some empty seats in that ballpark come September, and I know on the 9th they're going to have an old-timers day, and if they haven't had a 25th anniversary of the 98 team, talk about a far cry from one team to the next. But for that team, that organization, which we know, if George was around, it would have been hell or high water that this team would be going through a stretch like this, especially in the latter part of August. But one more time, there has to be some wholesale changes. I don't know what you're going to do with the roster. I don't know what you're going to do with some of those contracts. But I would think that the manager looks like he's going to be on his way out. And if he's not, that will just be an oversight that even a blind person will be able to see that Aaron Boone has to be the fall guy for this. Now to go through the wild card and the vision chase, obviously nothing to discuss there in the NL West as well as the NL East between the Dodgers and Braves. They are going to cruise to a division, so no need to go down that road there. The NL Central, we already discussed. The AL Central, talk about some separation, something that the Brewers couldn't get in their division. The Twins now have a six-game lead, and maybe we could pencil them in as far as being the AL Central division winner, and they will go ahead and host in the wildcard round. Now, stranger things could happen. We never know. The Twins all of a sudden could go into a funk, lose 9 of 12, and then next thing you know, the Guardians are within striking distance of the top of the division. But as of right this second, they've stabilized it to the point where they have a six-game lead, and it looks like they're going to be in position to win that division pretty much by default because it's so poor that when you look at some of the other teams in baseball that have better records, they could be in first place or even past them. When it comes to, think about the Rays. The Rays are 75 and 51. They would have a nine game lead over the Twins if they were in the AL Central. So that's all you need to know there. The Orioles still have a three game lead, four in the loss over the Tampa Bay Rays in the AL East. So that looks to be pretty much status quo from the last time we checked. And that's what you have with the divisions. As far as the wild card picture goes, we talked about that. Obviously with the AL and just to talk about those teams that are on the outside looking in, Tampa looks like they're going to be nestled in that one spot unless something changes where Baltimore starts to falter and Tampa takes over. So you're going to have either Baltimore or Tampa get that top wildcard seed. But then you have Houston, Seattle, followed by Toronto. They're all separated by a half a game. And then you have the Red Sox, three games behind. Like I mentioned, they kept pace with their three-game sweep over the Yankees this weekend. And that is it. Forget about the Angels who are eight and a half back and the Yankees nine back. They are long gone as far as the wild card picture goes. And then in the National League, the Phillies had the top spot there. Two and a half games ahead of the Cubs. Two games over the San Francisco Giants where the Giants have a half game lead over the Cubs. And now think about this. You have the Reds that are a game back. You have the Marlins that are a game back. And the Diamondbacks, one game back of the... Chicago Cubs, and when we take a big picture look at it, Giants, Cubs, Reds, Marlins, Diamondbacks, five teams separated by a game and a half for two spots. That's what you have there. Because forget about the Padres or Mets who are six and seven games back. So that could be your pennant race down the stretch because not much going on in the wild card in the AL. Uh, Yes, I understand you had the three teams that are separated by a half game, but 
with the Red Sox there three games back, maybe they could make a push there as we close out the month and get into September. And then the NL, I understand you have all those teams, but not a lot of sexy teams, not a lot of the mainstay teams that we have come to know and love and be accustomed to, as I mentioned last week. No Mets, no Padres, no Cardinals. That's another team that a lot of people forget that are always in the playoff mix. You rarely see the Reds, Marlins, D-backs, Cubs. Well, the Cubs have been hanging around when we go back to the prior decade in the 20-teens, but... Let's see how this shakes down, people, because it looks like we're going to have, as I mentioned before, and I'll say it one more time, a pennant chase to October 1st that may not be as memorable as we would like. And as we take a look at the schedule this upcoming week, let's see if we have anything to sink our teeth into. As I look here, live, direct, and in full effect, you have the Giants going to Philadelphia. That is a big series. As I mentioned, Giants are two games behind the Phillies there for the top wild card spot. So who knows? The Giants, if they win two out of three, they only gain a game. But if they sweep, they'll be able to get the fourth spot in the NL wild card. And that's big because that fourth spot guarantees you a home wild card series. And I understand still plenty of baseball to be played, even if they do sweep them. But that will go a long way to see whether or not the Giants will be able to going to Philadelphia and do some damage. If they win two games, I'm sure they'll be happy with that. They'll take it. But a sweep will really go a long way to see whether or not that's going to punctuate themselves at the top of that wild card chain. So that's one series that we'll definitely keep an eye on. The Red Sox go to Houston. That's a big series because with them being three and a half games behind the Astros, if they can continue their winning ways, similar to what they did in New York, They'll get that much closer to Houston and maybe just be a half game when it's all said and done come Wednesday night. So we'll talk about that there on Thursday. And then you have Miami at San Diego. The only reason why I bring them up because the Marlins obviously are in the mix there for the wild card. Toronto at Baltimore. I know not for the division, but that should be a competitive series. You have the... Twins going to Milwaukee. So here we are talking about the central teams, how one team can't get the separation and the other has. Well, two games set between the Twins and Brewers. So that should be interesting. And that pretty much rounds it out. Rangers go to Arizona. I know the D-backs are in the mix. Reds are going to LA to play the Angels. So that we'll have to keep an eye on. And you have the Dodgers going to Cleveland. No biggie there. Nationals playing the Yankees. Now, the Yankees have an eight-game losing streak, and I'd be shocked to come out of this. They're going to win this series. I would think they're going to win two out of three, although when you think about it, they're only three games behind them overall. So just when you think the Nationals, oh, they probably have, what, 50 wins? No, they're 57 and 68, I believe, so they're three and a half behind the Yankees. Of course, they don't play in the same division, etc., but just when you think that, oh, they should pound on the Nationals, and I would think that they will, but... It's not as if they're that far off in the standings between the two teams. So just something to throw out there. Metro and Atlanta, so they're going to get just destroyed down there. And that pretty much sums up your schedule here for the early part of this week as we get through this baseball season and to the next podcast when we'll recap it on Thursday. Now as I turn my attention, as I put on the helmet and shoulder pads, as we go through the NFL circuit, and there really isn't much to get into I'm not going to go over any of the preseason stuff that happened over the weekend. Although Aaron Rodgers will play, I don't know if it's going to be for a series, for a quarter or a half against the Giants this coming week. 
as the NFL preseason schedule will conclude with games starting Thursday, I believe through the weekend into Sunday. So the Jet fan who is chomping at the bit, all the expectations I talked about on the podcast day of Thursday with the Dalvin Cook signing, how the pressure and the expectations just get ratcheted up more for the Jets as, again, this is a team that a lot of people expect to do big things. They're on hard knocks, and I still haven't watched hard knocks yet, people. I have to at least watch a couple of these episodes as the third episode will be tomorrow night coming into Thursday. And if by any chance I don't get to watch it come Thursday, then who knows? Maybe I won't watch it at all because we'll see about that. But the NFL exhibition season, thank goodness, will close. And two weeks from this coming Thursday, we'll have the season begin. Lions, Chiefs, I talked about that a couple weeks ago. As we get ready, I'll go through the over-under numbers as we head into that week that Labor Day Monday will discuss. I'll see if I can get someone on to do a preview. Maybe I'll get Gary Myers, who was on with me, what was it, four years ago, be the year before the pandemic, where we talked about the NFL season, and he also has a book out called Once a Giant, so maybe we could discuss that. So... No guarantees, no promises, but let's see if I could wrangle up Mr. Myers to see if we could go through that as well as talk about our beloved Mets, which will be a lot of fun too. So that's what you got there with the NFL. Nothing much to even get into too early for cuts as after the final preseason games, you'll get to see who's going to make these rosters, who's going to get cut, etc. So you know I'll have my fingerprints all over that. And as far as anything outside of that, am I going to get into the Joe Mixon case where it was dropped or I believed he was exonerated from some sort of incident that happened I believe over the spring where he was acting foolishly and there was a case where he was found not guilty as far as menacing goes and he obviously did not want to speak about that he didn't want to get into it and his behavior, etc. So Mixon, who is going to be a big part of the Bengals' plans this year, as we know, the running back who had his issues in college, Oklahoma, that incident where he struck a woman. I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, I'm not going to get into any of that off-the-field stuff or anything else that's happening with the sport because really there isn't anything else to dive into at this point as we just try to get through this exhibition season. And now let's put on the high tops. Let's lace those up as we'll transition to the NBA, the association, where the schedule was released on Thursday, I believe. And what we have here over the next few months, and I know the NBA right now is kind of quiet, although we have some James Harden news, which I talked about, and I kind of hate to even go down that road because if you know me, the regurgitated narratives, it just gets tiring. And I understand Harden is his own worst enemy and he is a lightning rod for all this trade talk, for all the rumors, the scuttlebutt, etc. But I'll get to that in a second. But with the upcoming season, it's a rare one from this regard. Generally, when you have the opening tip-off, which is usually that Tuesday, somewhere in the middle of October, and you have the doubleheader where you have usually the East Coast game at the 8 o'clock time window and then the West Coast at 10 o'clock, well, guess what? You're going to have two West Coast games tip off your NBA season where the first game is going to be the Lakers visiting Denver. So you're going to have the instant rematch of the Western Conference Final where the Nuggets will raise their first ever NBA championship banner to the ball arena rooftop. 
And at 8 p.m., so that's an early start time for those getting out of work there out in the Denver metro area. So you'll have the Nuggets in the first game with the Lakers, and then the nightcap is going to be Phoenix at Golden State. So you're going to have Chris Paul's, a little theater there, going up against his former team, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and the Suns with all their expectations and everything that surrounds that team. Even Bradley Beal will open up his son's career, first time out of Washington in a new uniform. So you have a little drama to open up the NBA season that night. And for the record, the season begins on October the 24th, which will be a Tuesday, as the season usually begins on a Tuesday night. Now, to fast forward, we understand that during the middle of that stretch between the start of the season and the Christmas Day slate, which I'll get to in a second, you're going to have the, what is it, Commissioner's Cup or the in-season tournament that will start, I believe, on November the 4th and it will conclude on December the 7th. Now, we talked about that a few weeks back. That hasn't really been discussed because it's going to be those different pods, those six different pods where all these teams are going to play one another four times and then it's going to be grouped. And not to unpack that right now, you'd have to go back into the archives a few weeks ago as I get into it because it is a little convoluted. But in between the opener and Christmas, you do have that to look forward to as the NBA tries to do whatever it can to add some juice into the early portion of the regular season, especially in the middle of the football year where at that point it's going to be just It's insane from week one, but certainly once baseball concludes and crowns a champion and they pretty much stand alone with college football before hockey and basketball is ushered in, but they just get swallowed up by the NBA, so they're doing whatever it takes to kind of get the fans' attention with this Commissioner's Cup or NBA Cup or whatever it's called. But on Christmas, here are your five games that you could sink your teeth into if you're a Hoops fan. Your 12 noon game, which is usually at Madison Square Garden, you have Giannis going to MSG to play the Knicks there at 12 noon, followed by Golden State at Denver. All right, not bad. Boston and the Lakers, that's one that everybody always looks forward to. That's at 5 o'clock where Golden State, Denver's at 2.30. Then primetime, you have Sixers Heat. Not great if you ask me. And then Dallas at Phoenix, which you could see Kyrie versus KD. That's at 10.30. I think what they should have done, and I understand it's the 5 o'clock window, so it goes 5 into primetime, but I would think that maybe if they had Boston and the Lakers at primetime would have been a lot better if you ask me, but I understand they want to have it at 5 to where people are in the middle of eating and they can have it on and they can watch the classic rivalry between the old two teams with the 17 banners hanging in their rafters in each of their respective buildings. But here's the problem with these five games and again falling on Christmas Day similar to last year where the NFL, as always, the slobs and the pigs that they are have to just hog up the schedule because they just leave everyone in their wake. And I understand the NFL, as we say, they are paramount. They are king. They are the shield. But when you have your one o'clock game, Chiefs at Raiders, or I got that mixed up. Raiders at Chiefs. My apologies. Followed by your 430 game Giants and Eagles. And then your nightcap 815 Baltimore at San Francisco. And to me when I look at that. Those games aren't really anything that jump out the page. And I'm not saying that to be 
a little bit of a hater for the NFL because people know I love the NFL and I've been married to the NFL since I was about six or seven years old. And to emotionally just unattach myself from that is kind of hard. But with the way things have gone over the years, as I've talked about, or if you're a newbie to the podcast, with them just trying to spread these games on so many networks, streaming platforms, ESPN, ABC, NBC, the CBS, as we know, and Fox with the 425 games, Amazon Prime, it just gets sickening. And knowing that on Christmas Day, all right, you want to have two games, you want to have a 430 and a 815 game, all right, that's fine. But you got to take up the whole day to overshadow the NBA. And listen, I get it. They could say, well, Raiders and Chiefs aren't a great game. And right now, that is not. Because that game is in Kansas City. As we saw last year, late in the season, I believe it was a Saturday, if it was week 17, the Chiefs went into Las Vegas and eviscerated them. And I don't want to hear, oh, Jimmy G, oh, there's going to be improvements, blah, blah, blah. Uh-uh. By then, their season could be long gone. So that's going to be a bad game. The Giants, who knows where they're going to be this year. And I get it that they had a very good year last year under Coach Brian Dable. But that game in Philadelphia, I could see that being a carbon copy of what you saw there in the divisional game where it was, what, 21 nothing first quarter and it was over before you could blink. And the Giants are no guarantee that they're going to get back to anything close to what they were last year than they will be this year. And in Baltimore-San Francisco, that could be a good game. I give you that. But who knows? But that's the NFL. They're going to have games Saturday, I would think. I got to think off the top of my head. They probably will have games Saturday on the 23rd. Prior to Christmas Eve, which will be the 24th. Obviously, you can have all the games on Christmas Eve there. And then Christmas Day. As well as Thursday night. So, they can't help themselves. And I get it that the networks are paying them a king's ransom. But enough. I've seen enough, I've had enough, forget it. But that's your Christmas Day schedule for the NBA. I know I had to drag the NFL into it, but only reason why is that they are going to share the same day, and as we all know, the NBA numbers will dwarf in comparison. Lakers and Celtics, they could be undefeated going into that game. And we know that's not going to be the case. But let's just say two months into the year, where the Celtics, they could be, for argument's sake, what are they going to play? 26 games by then. Let's say they are 22-4 and four and the Lakers are 21-5. and five. You think people are going to watch that over, and that's a 5 o'clock window, Giants-Eagles? Hell no! They're going to watch the football before they even think about turning on the basketball. That's my point. So that's the NBA with the schedule coming out, so I had to throw my two cents in on that. And of course, I'm not going to get to any of these primetime games or whatever, because as we all know, The NBA is a slog of a season, but I had to, of course, bring up the opening night, how the doubleheader there, you're going to have the Denver as the first game, not the late game, and then Phoenix-Golden State, as well as the Christmas Day games, and in between you have that playing tournament, which I wanted to remind you guys and gals that that will take place there from the early part of November to the early part of December, where the finals, or the semifinals, Final Four of that Tournament will take place in Las Vegas, the T-Mobile Arena. So there you go as far as the NBA and their schedule as it's been released there a few days ago. So if you want to take a look, please feel free. And then I'll conclude on this. I spoke to my brother Justin the other day who lives in South Florida. And he's a good sports fan, 
born to the NBA. He's a Celtic fan, tried and true. And he does like the Steelers. Of course, he follows his brother. And thank you, Justin. I appreciate that. But for what's gone on down there over the last month, when you think about it, because the anniversary of Lionel Messi being introduced to the MLS and the American sports fans' consciousness happened exactly a month ago today. And with his exploits here, since he's been a member of the Inter-Miami soccer club or soccer team, whatever it's called, he has obviously done very well to the point where the other day, I believe he had a hat trick and Miami has really put themselves in a position to maybe make the postseason and I haven't followed the MLS completely. And this isn't to extol the wondrous talent and the immortality of a one Lionel Messi because we know where he ranks and where he is as far as Mount Rushmore. He is on that with Pele and you want to throw in Diego Maradona. You want to throw in someone else. I know based on one of my dear friends who follows soccer and has been following it his whole life, he says that David Beckham does not belong on soccer's Mount Rushmore. But with that being said, even with their success and even with Messi, who has just added a considerable amount of energy and has maybe not even rejuvenated, but just juvenated the soccer landscape there in South Florida. But you have to wonder, people, as much as they call the MLS a retirement league, and that's not to say that Messi's in the twilight of his career, albeit at 35 years of age, but you have to wonder, not only the teams that they're playing, but also the talent. I hate to say it, but they might as well have me playing out there on the opposing teams. Because if I were to really sit here and think, could I even name three players in the MLS overall? Not even just on one team, but on any of these rosters. And years ago, I could say the Landon Donovans of the world, even Freddie Adu, remember him? The wonder kid that at 14 years of age, coming up through the ranks, and I believe he signed with the MLS at 16, and how did that turn out? No offense to him, but the players here in this league aren't anything close to what you see overseas in the Premier League and all the other soccer clubs on the other side of the pond. And I'm sure that the worst players on those teams in those leagues would probably be the best players on these MLS teams. Now let's call it as we see it. And understand that may piss off the soccer fan or the MLS fan or the here locally, the Red Bull fan or the New York football club fan. I get it. And people could say, Jay Reels, you haven't even watched a second of this. And hand raised high in the air. You're 100% right. But one thing I do know is that the MLS has not taken the world by storm and certainly not this country. And has there ever been, other than a David Beckham or even a Lionel Messi, a guy that's played on any of these teams that have had a tremendous amount of impact? And I get it that if you're in Seattle or Portland or somewhere else where the soccer is just in a frenzy when it comes to the fan bases there. But let's call it as we see it. It's not as if you have a bunch of all-stars or a bunch of young and -and up-and-coming players. And if they are, please hit me up in any of the comments. Send me an email, whatever. I want to know. 
You think I want to come on here and kill the MLS or kill the soccer fan or kill the sport, etc.? I don't want to do that, but please. That is similar to guys in the NBA. Let's say LeBron, Kevin Durant, going to play somewhere overseas against teenagers or players in their early 20s that couldn't even make an NBA roster here. That's my point. So for Messi and everything that he's done here and he's injected just an incredible amount of life there in South Florida because as my brother said, he can't believe how everybody's just jumped on the bandwagon there. That they are just following the Inter-Miami team as if they're the Dallas Cowboys. But up here, there hasn't been a peep. And I understand New York, Miami... And soccer is far from a sport that's on anybody's mind here in the tri-state area. But it just goes to show. Weeks ago, last month, when I talked about Lionel Messi and what type of impact, I'll use that word again, that he would have here on the soccer scene, on MLS, etc. Well, I guess for South Florida, it has been all the rage. And maybe throughout the entire state, for all I know. But here in New York... And not that I've talked to people outside of New York to get a finger on the pulse to what they feel about messy mania here in the United States. But I'm sure you'll hear a lot of crickets. And that's no offense to Messi. That's no offense to Inter-Miami. That's no offense to MLS. Because if it's not on anybody's radar, no one's going to watch. And maybe if Inter-Miami does make it to the postseason, maybe there'll be some juice for it. Quite possibly. But again, it's going to fall right smack in the opening to the early and middle part of the NFL season. And I would think you're going to have very few people care about what's going to happen with Inter-Miami and Messi, other than South Florida or maybe Florida on a whole, that they care to even shake a stick at. So I just wanted to bring that up before I close out, considering talking to my brother and a little bit surprised about how the messy mania has been, and I get it. You see Puffy on the sidelines, all the celebrities, etc. I get it, but please, that's just a photo op. That's just them getting more attention that they don't need, etc. But that's the way of the world, and we will see how this all plays out here in the days and weeks to come. That'll do it, my good people. Another episode just about in the books. Thank you so much again for carving out precious time out of your schedule to listen to what it is I have to say about what goes on in the world of sports. Again, check out my YouTube page, my YouTube channel, I should say, at J Reels, my vlog, whatever happened to the old grounds at Yankee Stadium, peep that, share that with everybody. I would sincerely and gratefully appreciate that. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review, not only on that channel, but wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, etc., just to increase the visibility of this podcast with all the others that are out there. And if you want to hit me up with a question, comment, or even suggestion, you could do so by DM at the following. Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, the J Reels Podcast. J Reels 1, just a number on Twitter. Of course, on my YouTube channel, at J Reels, or the old-fashioned way, the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Whatever you want to send, put forth, please do so. I'll be more than happy to follow up because whether you do or do not know, This is what I love to do, people. It's in the blood. It's in the DNA sports since day one. And as long as I'm alive and breathing, I'm not going anywhere. To not only continue to put forth two podcasts each and every week, but also content on my channel as I'll continue to vlog as we march on along here. As I do it with nothing but fire, 
passion, energy, fury with my thoughts, feelings, opinions, analysis, critiques, praise on anything and everything. That happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels Podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. For the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels Podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>